The tragic events that saw 10 people killed in rural Saskatchewan over the Labor Day weekend will get a full public inquest. Saskatchewan's coroner has announced that in the name of transparency, an inquest will be held next year into the deadly stabbing spree in Weldon and James Smith Cree Nation. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. Regina Leader Post reporter Larissa Kurz joins me to discuss what the inquest will hope to uncover, who will hear evidence, and why the chief coroner says it's important to conduct this investigation. Don't forget you can find us on all your favorite listening platforms, whether that's Google or Spotify, Apple or Amazon. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review and tell your friends about us. So Larissa, before we get to the latest news on the events of Labor Day weekend on the James Smith Cree Nation in Weldon, Saskatchewan, for those who may have forgotten what happened that weekend. Yeah, yeah. So the events of the September long weekend are, are hard to forget, I think, uh, for everybody in the province. Um, in the very early morning of September 4th, uh, which was a Sunday, the Saskatchewan RCMP, they issued a dangerous person's alert about a spree of stabbings uh, in the small community of James Smith Cree Nation, which is kind of in the northeast part of our province, um, and also in the nearby and very small village of Weldon, Saskatchewan. So two brothers, Damien and Miles Sanderson, they were identified as the suspects. Um, police said the two had entered several homes where they assaulted the people inside. Um, there were 28 victims involved in total. Uh, 18 were injured and transported to hospital and 10 were left dead. Um, and we know that some were targeted. Um, others appear to have been at random. Um, we don't have a lot of further details about that, um, but we do know that. Uh, after after a search that lasted several days, Damien Miles are also both now deceased. Uh, so that's 12 people uh, left dead total in the wake of this. Damien's body was found the day after the stabbing um, on James Smith. And then Miles died shortly after his arrest, after, after several days at large. From what I can tell, um, it, it's one of, if not the largest sprees of mass violence in our province's history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely was a, a tragedy that I think many Canadians were, were shocked by. You mentioned that, that Miles Sanderson was, was arrested after several days. How long was he at large before he was arrested and, and he's dead now? What happened when he was taken into custody? Yeah, yeah. So we, we don't have a lot more details about the RCMP's investigation than what was shared a few weeks ago. But the manhunt, which, again, put the whole province on alert, uh, it essentially lasted for four days, and it was pretty extensive. Um, the first alert was issued, like I said, on the Sunday, um, at which time both brothers were said to to already kind of be on the lam. Um, Damien, again, was found dead on Monday, uh, so the following day, outside a home on the First Nation. Uh, the police were examining as a crime scene. And then there were a handful of alerts over the next couple of days about potential sightings of miles. They were extended actually into the neighboring provinces of Alberta and Manitoba. Um, there was some speculation that he might attempt to cross provincial borders. Uh, but it wasn't until Wednesday, uh, so September 7th, that he was apprehended by RCMP near Rossburn, Saskatchewan, um, which is about an hour and a half or so west and a little bit south of James Smith. Um, and it happened on a pretty like high traffic highway, um, Highway 11. It's one of the main thoroughfares north and south between Prince Albert and Saskatoon. Um, he was driving a stolen vehicle at the time, which RCMP were aware of. Um, you know, he was kind of stopped by police, pushed off the highway and into the ditch. Um, officers took him out of the vehicle, placed him under arrest, uh, and shortly after that, 
Miles went into what RCMP described as quote-unquote medical distress. He was put into an ambulance uh, from the scene, rushed to a hospital in Saskatoon, um, which is about a half an hour away, and uh, that's where he was pronounced dead um, very shortly thereafter. And, and the last major update from RCMP was that day on September 7th in a press conference, like like very closely after this happened. We, we Again, we don't have a lot of details still. Uh, it still remains pretty much unconfirmed through official channels. Uh, but a trusted source did tell our Saskatoon Star Phoenix newsroom that it is believed Miles took drugs just before his arrest and that the medical distress was likely an overdose. Now, it's nearly a month later. Uh, do we know if any of the injured victims are still in hospital or, is, or, or if the survivors of, of this attack, uh, these attacks, have they been all released? Uh, so the last most recent update um, came from the Saskatchewan Health Authority on September 12th, um, which is about two weeks ago. Uh, it said that four victims at that time were still in hospital um, in stable condition. Uh, 13 others had been discharged by that point, you know, returned home to continue their recovery, um, you know, in their own homes. It was also noted, though, again, that was two weeks ago, uh, the SHA said that would be the last update that they would offer um, on these patients. So um, I don't have any more updated, like more recent information than that. All right. Now, in the wake of this tragedy, we've seen a number of inquiries announced and we'll we'll talk about the more recent ones shortly. But first and foremost, after this all unfolded, we saw the announcement of uh, an inquiry from Canada's Correctional Service and the Parole Board. What is that investigation looking at? Yes, yeah. So uh, that joint investigation, I think, was the first to be announced, possibly only prefaced by like the third party um, police investigation, which was kind of expected. Um, But the Parole Board of Canada and the Correctional Service of Canada have said that they will conduct a review specifically about the judgment call made by the board to release Miles on parole, um, which happened in February. They've said uh, the plan is to look at the circumstances of that decision, you know, whether policies and protocols were followed while making it, you know, how that went down, um, and decide whether any changes need to be made in that process based on on what they found. So uh, Miles, Miles was considered to be unlawfully at large since May. Um, so the parole release happened in February. Um, he was considered to have violated uh, his condition, uh, and a warrant was issued for his arrest in May. Um, he had, you know, he has a court record that includes like 80 convictions um, over his lifetime, um, including one for stabbing an individual in 2015, um, who ended up being one of the victims who actually died in the long weekend attacks. He had been granted release once before by the parole board uh, in 2021 um, and violated it and was placed back in custody. Um, I believe, from what I understand, that was uh, because he breached a no-contact order that was part of his release. And then about a year later, he put in another application for parole. Uh, The board still found at that time he was a high risk to re-offend, but that there was mitigating factors that... uh, essentially lent them to grant a statutory release with conditions. That particular release was the one that occurred in February, um, and then he was uh, considered a large in May. That, that's what's going under review. Uh, PBC and CFC uh, has said that they will provide any results and any recommendations that come from it uh, publicly. We'll be right back. 
the main investigation, as we learned last week, will be conducted by the coroner's office in Saskatchewan. It will be a public inquest. Why did the coroner opt to call a public inquest into this matter? Or was the coroner's office bound by legislation to call one? So the coroner did call actually two inquests. So there's going to be two separate coroner's inquests um, held in relation to uh, these events. Um, the first one is going to be uh, involving all of the deaths that occurred on September 4th. Um, so that that includes 11 individuals, the 10 victims, as well as the death of Damien Sanderson. Um, and then a second, a separate inquest is going to be held um, examining Miles' death. And, and what I do want to make sure that I mention is that hearing the chief coroner, Clive Wayhill, call a coroner's inquest was like, in on one hand, not really surprising at all. We were kind of expecting it um, because it is legally required under the Coroner's Act of Saskatchewan for the provincial coroner to conduct a public inquest into the death of any person when, when it happens when they're in police custody. So to, to see an inquest called into Miles' death, that was sort of a given. The, the kind of surprising, kind of interesting thing was that the chief coroner had chosen to call it a second inquest into the other 11 deaths. Um, that's a discretionary decision. He's made that himself. He has the right to do that under the Coroner's Act. And he essentially said that he chose to do so in order to inform the public about the circumstances of that death. And he also cited the the Coroner's Act in saying there, there was reason to call to make dangerous conditions known and to facilitate recommendations to maybe prevent similar deaths in the future. He, he said it's about transparency, essentially. Um, you know, transparency on what happened. Like you said, there's not going to be any kind of criminal proceedings because both uh, both people who have been charged in this tragedy have have died. You know, so there, there's no trial that will be able to go forward. And the coroner said he, he wants the public um, and even more specifically the community of James Smith and the witnesses and families of victims to have a chance to hear facts publicly. Um, to hear from witnesses, to hear the details of the police and coroner's investigation uh, for themselves, um, because otherwise, you know, there's questions left unanswered. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, you mentioned the wanting the, the community wanting to get closure. Is the inquest being held in these communities? Yeah, yeah. So coroner's inquests are typically held in or as close to the community um, in which the death is, you know, occurred or is linked to. Um, it's been made very clear that the intent is to hold both of these inquests on James Smith Cree Nation, which is not the first time that, that we've held a, a coroner's inquest on a First Nation. There was actually one earlier this spring, I, I believe, on, on Black Lake First Nation. There there are kind of some things that need to be lined up, so it's not 100% confirmed at this point. You know, there might be capacity constraints or venue availability issues. So uh, if it's not possible to be on James Smith, uh, the coroner did say potentially Prince Albert. Uh, which is uh, the nearest city, it's about an hour away, um, could be another option, or um, also Melfort, which is similarly close by, about half an hour away. And then who will be hearing evidence? Is it is it before a judge? Is it before a jury of of community members? Yeah, yeah. So uh, coroner's inquest is presided over by um, one of our provincial coroners, but it's actually a jury of six members of the public that hear evidence and um, deliberate and, and return a recommendation. So those six people, um, they're selected from the area in which the inquest is happening. So it'll be kind of from in and around James Smith and neighboring communities. 
Um, and it's a process kind of similar to law courts where like a pool of people are summoned and then the first six called who have no conflicts of interest are selected to, to sit. Th- those, those individuals, they will, um, they'll be tasked with determining the circumstances of a death based on the evidence presented to them. Uh, so that means determining who, uh, determining where, and determining by what cause that death occurred. Um, and if they choose to do so, they can offer recommendations that they feel may help prevent similar deaths from happening in the future. Um, it's not required, but it is a possibility. So when you say this this jury is going to be made up of, of members of the community, is are we looking at members of the Saskatchewan public as, as a whole, of the community of Weldon, of the James Smith Cree Nation? What, what exactly is the coroner looking at here when it comes to the makeup of who will be hearing evidence and providing recommendations? Yeah, yeah. So so again, like I said, the, the jury will be selected from members of the public. But the chief coroner has also said that it is his intent to select a completely Indigenous jury um, to sit at this particular set of inquests. Um, he, again, has that legislated right under the Coroner's Act. Um, the Act says that depending on the circumstances of a death, the chief coroner can require the jury to be composed, either wholly or in part, of people from a specific racial or cultural group. Um, and he has said that is his intent. Um, it was a decision he he made clear because he 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 wants to, again, hold these hearings for the interest of the public, right? So the decision to appoint a jury of only Indigenous jurors um, is because he wants the community to feel comfortable, um, and that was the word that he used, uh, to feel comfortable in the results of this inquest, in the jury, in the recommendations that are, are made at the end of it. I know you mentioned that the coroner is, is also holding an inquest into the, the death of Miles Sanderson. Is Are there any other investigations relating to that? Does it does Saskatchewan have a police watchdog that kind of looks at in-custody deaths and, and what may have occurred there? Yeah. Um, so just, just for a little bit of clarity. So the, the idea of a police watchdog here in Saskatchewan is, is a little bit contentious, actually, right now. Um, we do have one in development. It was supposed to be operational more than a year ago. Uh, it's called the Serious Incident Response Team, or CERT. A, like an independent civilian-led unit. It's technically been formed, but it is very, very new, um, very much still in fledgling stages, like like still recruiting kind of new. Um, so the the third-party investigation into Miles' death and, and police involvement in that will actually be undertaken by the Saskatoon Police Service, um, specifically the Major Crimes Unit. And then CERT will be involved, but in an observational capacity, um, so it's it's not really a watchdog organization. It, it's another police service uh, that was not specifically involved in the, you know, the investigation over those four days over, you know, the actual apprehension of uh, Miles Sanderson. Um, and they will deliver their findings to the Ministry of Justice. Not entirely sure how long that will take. There's been no timeline uh, provided at this time. Looking at the coroner's inquest into these events, when may we see everything unfold? When when may it start hearing evidence and, and testimony? Is it a case that the police have to finish their investigation first before the public inquest can be held? That is absolutely true. Um, investigations do have to conclude before any kind of a public hearing can take place. Um, currently, the most specific timeline we've been given is that these two inquests are likely to take place late spring, early summer of 2023. Um, you know, so that's, that's almost a year 
after the actual tragedy. Um, the reason, which again, Clive Wayhill, the chief coroner, had said, uh, is because those investigations are both ongoing and it's it's likely to take another few months for them to conclude. Um, and then, of course, both police, the coroner's service, um, any kind of witnesses that may be called, they need time to assemble the evidence that will be presented. You know, things have to be organized, they have to be prepped, they have to be disclosed. It takes time to put that kind of a thing together. And it also means that the coroner service is going to have to kind of circle back to be in contact with with witnesses, with victims, with families of victims, um, and prepare them for that process of the inquest of all of these kind of facts and, and details coming out publicly. A lot of that information is going to be shared you know, in a public space, it's going to be a little bit re-traumatizing, of course. I mean, there's no other kind of way to put that. Um, and so, of course, that's a process as well, um, working with those folks to make sure that they're prepared and that they're supported um, and that they're they're ready for that to happen. Yeah. And I, I you know, I know it's a, a tragedy that caught many people's attention across the country. And I, I can imagine that that Canadians will be looking for answers as much as the community is is looking for answers, even though they probably want to move on with their lives as well. Uh, Larissa, thanks very much for your time. Perfect. 10-3 is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Larissa Kurz. More from her at leaderpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <music>